Hi, welcome to Quiet Connection, a podcast dedicated to ending the stigma around postpartum mental health. I'm Chelsea, and in today's episode, I got to chat with Phyllis, who gave me a really raw and honest account of her struggles with postpartum depression. Let's hear from Phyllis. Hi, I'm here with Phyllis. How are you, Phyllis? I'm good, thanks. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. My pleasure. I guess the first question is, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. I am 66 years old. I have two daughters, ages 39, almost 40, and 36. I am a lawyer. I was a judge for about 10 years, and now I am a workers' compensation mediator. Wow. Married, live in Williston. Who were you before you became a mom? Wow. That's a really good question. <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> because what I what I was thinking about this morning as I was thinking about this was that when I became a mom, I the worst thing about the depression I had afterwards was that I felt like I had kind of lost myself. I had lost mm-hmm. who I was. So that's a, actually a really good question. Um, right before I had Jill, I was completing my third year of law school in San Francisco. Um, So it was a very hectic time. My husband at the time and I, we were living in San Francisco and our plan was to move back to Vermont. We had already decided we were going to move back to Vermont uh, after I graduated and after I had the baby. Of course, (laughs) way back then, (laughs) they didn't induce, you know, they didn't didn't give you a date and say either you have your baby before this or we're going to make it happen. So our plan was always baby plus two weeks. So as we mm-hmm. were anticipating the birth, we were packing up all our stuff and and I was taking exams and going to graduation and it was a very hectic time. But yeah, before I was a mom, I was uh, in law school. Cool. Ne- the next question is, did you, so you had mentioned that you suffered from postpartum depression. Did yes. you deal with that with both kids or just one? So first of all, I want to, I think I should point out that back then, this was in 1983, Jill was born. We didn't really call it postpartum depression. Actually, people didn't really talk mm-hmm. a whole lot about depression anyways. I mean, you know, if you were severely depressed and suicidal, then I suppose people heard about it and you were institutionalized or whatever. But chronic depression, just nobody talked about it. You didn't get medications for it. You just kind of, you know, people said you were sad or moody. Moody was the word that a lot of people used to describe me. And so looking back in hindsight, I know that I had postpartum depression pretty badly with Jill, with my first one. With my second one, I think that I did, but to a either it was to a lesser extent, or at least I kind of knew how to deal with it better. When I started having those feelings, they were familiar to me, and I and it was comforting to know that they were, you know, they were going to dissipate over time. That I could handle it. You know that you've been here before. You can do it again and just get through it. Well, and so my questions for you are kind of a little bit different because like you said, times were different and people weren't talking about it back then. Yeah. Like when did you, when did, was there a moment that you thought like, this is more than just baby blues or this is more than just I'm moody? 
Or did you just tell yourself, I guess I'm just moody? <laughs> I mean, before I had before I had my children, for the longest time I just thought I was just moody. And frankly, when I was when I figured out in college that I was very moody, I um self-medicated with with weed for decades. Um, and okay. it took me a very long time to kind of figure out that that's what I had been doing with my kids. Uh, you know, it wasn't until I would say, I don't know, the last 20 years or so that people really started to talk more about postpartum depression. And I, and I realized as people were talking about it more, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I had that. <laughs> I totally yeah. had that. So you never had, you never had like anyone to confide in or be like, I think something's up. No, absolutely not. In fact, I remember when Rachel was born, when my second daughter was born, uh, that was in 1986. So I just turned 30. <laughs> you know, people come over and they're like, oh, let me see the, you know, can I come over and visit the baby? And and fine. And they come over. And I can remember sitting on the couches, they would be like cooing with the baby and thinking, do you want her? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like, do you just want to take her for like six months, a year, you know, whatever. Just yeah, feeling like I had common. to like fake it, you know, like, oh yeah, she's so beautiful and I love her so much. And I, you know, I could just stare at her for hours and all I felt was I'm exhausted and um, I feel like I'm totally out of my league and um, I, I don't know what to do about it. Yeah, yeah. And you had to, you had to fake it, fake it till you make it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really common thread with a lot of the parents that I've been talking to. It's like, you feel like you're supposed to feel this joy and yeah. everyone around you is feeling this joy, but it's almost like you're incapable of it. Yeah. I still yeah. feel that way when, when people like when celebrities on TV, you know, say, you know, Oh, I'm pregnant. And you know, or people post online social media, like, Oh, my baby. And you know, I just can't live without her. And I just loved her from the minute she was born. And, and I just feel like I never felt that way. No. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Did you have any sort of a support system with you when you did have the girls or were you kind of like on your own mom in it in the trenches? I was pretty much on my own. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a wicked perfectionist. And I think that, I think that my husband tried at times to help, you know, he tried to do his part and to help out, but I always would end up like, you know, you dressed her wrong, the, the pajamas mm -hmm. were on backwards, you, you know, you didn't do this right, I, you know. And so I just, in hindsight, again, I look back and I think I kind of took a lot on myself because I was just putting so much pressure on myself to like be perfect, mm -hmm. be, you know, at, and, and there's no such thing in anything and certainly not in parenting and being a mother, but I didn't have, I mean, again, we didn't have, we didn't have lactation support people. So with Jill, I tried to breastfeed and, um, and I, it couldn't, it didn't work. My milk never came in which I didn't realize actually until Rachel was born and I breastfed Rachel. And the day that my milk came in, I was like, Oh my God. 
Because <laughs> I tried to breastfeed Jill for like the first two weeks of her life and and I didn't realize that it wasn't working and she was like starving. And I had just graduated. I would just finished law school and we were literally packing up our apartment to leave. So I can remember one day the movers had come and, you know, everything you read, read was like, you know, relax and enjoy your time with your baby <laughs> and drink a glass of wine while you're breastfeeding. And it's, and it's so nurturing and wonderful. And I can remember sitting on the floor <laughs> in the corner of the living room while the moving people were going in and out and the dog was going crazy and trying to breastfeed my child. <laughs> I still can remember oh my that. God. Yeah, oh, my that, God. Yeah, that does not sound very peaceful or loving or no, connecting. Or... pretty crazy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think becoming a parent changed your relationship with your partner at all or if not becoming a parent, the postpartum depression, did that change your relationship with your partner? Um, I think both. Um, yeah. Like I said, I think looking back, I think that I put so much pressure on myself to be perfect and created a situation where nothing he could do was going to work, was going to be good enough. And I think over time, I kind of pushed him away. You know, I think maybe he could have been more assertive and said, no, no, I'm going to do it and it won't be perfect, but that's okay. But he didn't take that approach. And so over time, it affected our marriage in a negative way. And the depression, I mean, it's hard for me to separate out sometimes the postpartum depression just from the chronic depression, because I think that I was mm -hmm. depressed for many years and still am to an extent. I mean, I still, the diagnosis that I carry with me, I obviously, I think that affected our relationship over time as well. Like I said, for years, I self-medicated and thought that that's just what I needed to do to kind of get through. Yeah. I mean, you know, that was counterproductive in many ways. So yeah. yes, it definitely affected my relationship. What do you think was your darkest moment hmm. in in, in becoming, after you became a parent and noticed that things were, were off, what was the darkest moment? I remember this day when, so Jill was an infant and we, we moved back from San Francisco to Vermont in like in June of that year. And uh, my father-in-law was um, in the process of renovating a house that we were going to move into. So for that summer, we were living with with my in-laws like in their bedroom <laughs> like oh my god yeah and neither of them I, how can i explain this that his whole family is very independent and and kind of feeling like i'll take care of myself you take care of yourself and you know that'll all be great we'll just all take care of our stuff all by by ourselves so I didn't have, you know, my mother-in-law was not a very touchy-feely, warm and comforting kind of person. And my daughter, as an infant, was one of those babies that wouldn't, she'd fall asleep if she was moving, like if we were in the car. But as soon as we stopped the car, or as soon as the baby swing stopped, she would wake up screaming. Like, there was no in-between. Mm. 
And I remember one day going to do an errand at the, like the AMP Plaza in Essex Junction. It was at the paint store. I had to go into the paint store and I parked and I remember thinking I could just leave her in the car, you know, with the windows open and the door unlocked and maybe somebody who really wanted a baby could take her. Like that Mm -hmm. would be a good result. You know, because mm-hmm. I'm just not really sure that I want to do this. I mean, like I said earlier, I felt like I had just totally lost who I was. Like I was just this vehicle for this other being. And I had just totally lost myself. And I just thought, I don't, I don't think I can do this. This was, this was a mistake. And if I could mm-hmm. just, I mean, if I could just find somebody who really wanted a baby. Yeah. That would be that would be good, you know? I mean, I don't want anything bad to happen to her, but I just don't think I'm the right person for this role. Yeah. What does that what does that make you feel now when you think back to that? I think of that a lot. I mean, I still can vividly remember that day. I don't know. I mean, I feel a certain amount of I won't really say guilt. I it makes me sad. I think it makes me sad um, because I feel like in hindsight, if I had been easier, if I could have found a way to be easier on myself or if somebody else could have helped me get there, you know, I would have had a very different experience as a, as a mother to a small, to an infant. And as it is, Mm -hmm. I think back and it's hard for me to remember any good times like that bothers me, you know, like I, yeah, like again, social media, like, you know, you have these people, everybody posts everything on social media and it's always the good things, right? It's always, oh, look at my baby, you know, look, my baby is sleeping on me. It's so pretty. She's so, you know, it's so awesome. They never post the pictures when they're screaming, right? Or vomiting no. or or just or the blowouts you know, or the yeah or the middle of the night when you haven't slept at all yeah nobody shows yeah. those and so no. for me I just I'm always thinking back you know I see those pictures and I'm thinking I must have done that right like I must have had moments with both of my children when they were infants where I was just sitting on the couch and, you know, petting them and smelling their hair and doing all those new mom things. But I don't remember a single one. And that makes me really sad. That, yeah, that's totally understandable. Yeah. Do you, how long do you think it took you to be able to connect with them in a way that, that, that you felt good about? I think, um, I would say after, I I think probably a year anyways. Mm -hmm. I think for sure, I remember thinking the first three months, I just felt like, just like a parasite. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. like they're just... And they 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 call these days they call it the fourth trimester. Yeah. They just take and take and take and they don't give you a single thing back. You know, like they don't smile, smile. they don't laugh, they can't communicate at all. And so you have those moments where they're just screeching at you and you're like, are you hungry? Do you need to be burped? Do you need to be changed? Do you need to sleep? And, you know, you just keep getting it wrong and they just keep screaming at you and and they give nothing back. They're just Mm -hmm. like parasites. 
Yeah. I remember feeling that way during the first three months that just like, this is just hell. And like, how does anybody live through this? And then I think over time, obviously it got better. I think by a year I felt like, okay, I've kind of got a handle on this and it gets every day, it gets a little bit easier to communicate with them and to have them communicate back to you. And um, I would say at a year, I kind of felt like, okay, I can, I think I can do this. But, yeah. but then, like I say, when I had Rachel, I kind of was, you know, thinking back, I was thinking it was the same thing for those first three months. Anyways, three to six months, just feeling like you're just, you're just sucking me dry here. I, there's, I got nothing left. <laughs> They suck the life right out of you. Yeah. Did you find anything to be helpful during that time? The first three months, you mean, or that first year? Either. Or- the first three months, the first year. Did you find anything that sort of brought you a little bit of relief? I, you know, I don't, Chelsea. I, I really can't think of anything. I just, I just powered through, you know, like that, yeah. that's just who I was and who I continue to be to an extent. I've always felt like you go through these really bad times and then you look back on them and you go, how the hell did I do that? You know, like, totally. How did I, how did I make it through that? But in the moment you just kind of feel like that's what I got to do. I got, I got no other options here, you know? So I guess that's just what I, what I have to do. You know, was I, happy? No. Fulfilled? Not a bit. And, you know, the other thing to this day, and I've been very honest with my kids about this, I felt that, again, back then we got married earlier at a younger age and we had kids at a younger age. And and I always felt that we, you know, we decided to have children because it was like the next thing that we were supposed to do, you know? And I never gave myself the um, the right to think that, to have it, make that an informed decision on my part, to th- really think it through and decide, is that really what I want? And That's I've been so very important. honest with, with my children. I, I love them and I, you know, can't imagine my life without them. Not really true. I can. <laughs> right. Well, I'm glad that you said that. Really? <laughs> Even because as I what, say do that, you think- I think... I have many times imagined a life without children, and it sometimes it looks pretty good. And do you I, think and, that if you were, if you had been given the choice, do you think you would have chosen not to have children? I think I would have chosen not to have them at that time. It okay. Was, when you think about it, it's pretty crazy, right? I mean, you know, I'm in my third year of law school. Yeah, and you you're know, moving and, across the country. And at that, like I said, when we got pregnant, we had already decided we were going to move back home, back to to New England. Anyways, no, I absolutely would not have chosen to have children at that time. You know how things would have played out if that if we had done that. Uh, you know who knows, right? But what I I really regret not. It for for both of us. I don't think either of us really thought the decision through. Other than you know, it's time. It's the next thing we're supposed to do. So I guess that's what we're gonna do. That still bothers me. That it still bothers you. Yeah. Yeah. That that was that was gonna be my next question, and you pretty much answered it. it was do you have any regrets about about the decision to have kids when you had kids? Yeah. I, like I said, I 
I think I answered that already, but um, yeah. And it's funny because I thought, you know, all my, the women, many of the women I know who are my, you know, my age peer friends now are having grandchildren. And again, it's the same thing all over again. It's like the, the 27 pictures of my grandchild, you know, like, <laughs> look how beautiful. And being a grandmother is like just the best role ever. And um, I, for the longest time, thought, okay, well, when my kids have, when I have grandchildren, that'll be the do-over for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I would think about it and think, and I, I like to think that I will be more relaxed with those infants than I was with my infants. And, you know, but I'm really curious to see how that plays out. And as things have played out, my older daughter is in no position to have a child. So that's not going to happen. And my younger daughter just had a, um, uh, had her tubes tied. So she's decided she's not going to have children. Yeah. And we had a long discussion about that. And she said, you know, how do you feel about that? And I said, I'm so proud of you for making the, you know, for making it a choice because I didn't give myself the choice. I didn't, I didn't give myself that option. You know, I understand your reasons. And if you're, you know, obviously you, it's something that can't be undone. So be sure that that's what you want. And if that's what you want, then I, I'm super proud of you for for doing that. A lot of um, women my age, so your daughters are a, just a tiny bit older than me, just like right. two or three years older than me. Um, but a lot of women my age are making that choice to not have children. And I think that's a really, really powerful move. And for her to know that about herself is is crazy amazing. That's yeah. very brave. Yeah. How do you feel um, about that? Do I get to ask you questions? Sure, you can ask me questions. How do I feel? How do I feel about not having children? Yeah. Do you regret having children? Do you- um, I don't. I don't regret my children. That's Both a children question. were very different. I mean, let's be very clear well, about it, that. Yeah, yeah, it's. I don't regret my children. Right. Do I regret having children? Right. I did not want to have children when um when I first got married and that was a sticking point for my husband and I um because he really did and so with my first daughter it was a, similar to you in that I was like this this is the next step this is what we're supposed to do he really wants a baby um I had had a health scare and it everything turned out fine so I was like all right this is what we're doing and I suffered very deeply with de- postpartum depression with her. And it was the same thing as you're describing. I didn't feel anything. They put her on my chest and I just was like, what do I do? With my second, so my kids are seven years apart. Um, with my second, I wanted her so deeply. I wanted a second chance. I wanted to do things differently. I wanted... Um, I just wanted a different experience. Mm-hmm. I don't regret her for a minute, but holy shit, if I knew what I was in for, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. No, I I can picture my life without kids. And and it sometimes sometimes it looks pretty good to me. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> and that's why I really have a lot of respect for women who are honest about that, who are like, no, I, I don't want to be a mom. Why would I do that? I don't right. want to. Why would I subject a child to that? Right. How did you keep yourself going during that time? You know, like I said, it was, it was just one foot in front of the other. That and self-medicating with marijuana for so During years. the time, even after you had the kids? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I was, I'm in that very fairly small percentage of people who were, are psychologically addicted to marijuana. When they say it's not addictive, I, I mean, anything can be addictive if, you know, yeah. if you have an unhealthy relationship with something, that's being addicted to it. So I... I think I was chronically depressed. I self-medicated with marijuana. I went back to work after three months with both kids. Well, not with Jill because I was studying to take the bar, but same thing, kind of. I'd say that's just as much work, if not yeah, more. Yeah. You know, I had a babysitter for both kids when they were, you know, each when they were three months old. Maybe six, I guess, with Jill. And, you know, I had no, <laughs> it was the high point of my day when they were infants. It was the high point of my day when I dropped them off. And I always mm -hmm. felt that they were getting really good care there. And even as they got older and were, you know, toddlers, I was never, I was not the mom to sit on the floor and do arts and crafts with them or play Candyland. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think I, I made it through, you know, that's how I made it through. I had the support of a babysitter, a good, a really good babysitter who loved my kids. And, mm -hmm. um, I think over time you, I was able to tell myself and still do that being a parent is really hard and we all try to we do the best we can on any particular day in any particular moment we're always just doing mm -hmm. the best that we can and sometimes we get it right and sometimes we get it really wrong and and then you move on to the next moment right i mean i tell myself that all, all the time even now i mean my older child is not in a great place and hasn't mm -hmm. been for quite some time. So she's she takes a lot of emotional energy and worry and anxiety. And so I still, you know, <laughs> there's days when I still think back and think, you know, what what could I have done to prevent this? Right? What what was it that I did that made her struggle the way that she does in the world today. And, um, and I'm always able to tell myself in my head, you couldn't have done anything. You did the best you could. Right. Yep. But yep. sometimes in my heart, I'm like, eh, I don't know, maybe I could have done better. Maybe if I had well, done this instead of that, you know, what is your relationship like with your girls now? Like you, you said one of them requires a little bit more of, of like, anxiety and, and an emotional toll, but what kind of a relationship do you have with them these days? I think I have a really good relationship with them. I always, I think that I was a different kind of mom. I was just the mom that I was. And I think that obviously there's, there's, you know, 
when your daughters are 13, they think that you were born dumb and you just, you <laughs> great. Just I can't to, wait. Like, I'm tell yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously there's a period of time when your kids think that you're, you know, like how do you even exist in their lives? Right. You're just always, <laughs> <laughs> nothing good comes from you, but they grow out of that. And I think that both my kids would say that, they have we have a really good relationship with with one another so and actually i'm pretty proud of that i think that we weathered the storms pretty well and um i think i have a better relationship with my children than i had with my mother and i'm and i think that i'm pretty proud of that that's yeah. amazing yeah. and that must feel really good to be able to say that you're proud of that yeah that's kind of, I feel like the hope as a parent is that you can sort of improve upon the experience that you may have had as a child. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like even despite you having some like guilt and shame over how it went in infancy, you can still be proud of the job that you did in raising them. Yeah. I think that that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Did you tell your girls how hard it was for you? I did. I did. did. I have. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. did they take that? They've taken it really well. I mean, they have been really understanding and I've always, you know, I've, I've always tried to stress to them, like we were talking earlier, I don't regret having them. I mean, I, I don't regret my children. I don't necessarily even regret having children. I regret not giving my, giving myself the choice to have children or not. Mm -hmm. and, and I think those are three different things. And they're, we've had very honest discussions about it. You know, my older child, we, we laugh about the fact that I didn't realize that my milk hadn't come in, so I starved <laughs> her for the first two weeks of her life. <laughs> oh, poor kid. I know. <laughs> Well, you didn't know. I didn't know. I swear to God, that moment when my milk came in, I remember it. I just remember exactly where I was sitting when I went to nurse Rachel and my milk came in. My milk had come in and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a very distinctive feeling, right? I mean, yeah, yeah I didn't know. Who told, you know, nobody told me. I didn't know. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we joke about that. You know, I think they appreciate me for the person that I am and the mother that I've been and um and I think we're good. I think all in all when I look back, I think okay, well, I must I must have done some things right, right? Because yeah. they're they're where they are. So that's cool. Yeah. What are some things that you like about being a mom? Um hmm. <laughs> And you have uh, a much, you have a wider area yeah. to judge from than some of the other moms that I've been talking to. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really gratifying when your kids grow up and you see the young adults that they have become. Um, you know, there was a time with my younger daughter where I thought she was just going to sit on the couch and watch Nickelodeon and eat Lucky Charms. Like, <laughs> for the rest of forever life, forever <laughs> i just thought this is never gonna change <laughs> um and she was 
Yeah. I mean, you know, she went through a stage when she was younger where she was kind of a a follower rather than a leader. And she was somewhat not, she was not so much timid, but she always needed to have a friend to do something first before she would agree to do it herself. And now she's just such a self-assured and assertive and dynamic and awesome person. It just slays me. Because I think, mm-hmm. how, what happened there? Like, when did that change happen? But I'm really proud of that. And even my older daughter has had a lot of adversity in her life, but she's she's hanging in there, you know? So it's, it's gratifying to be a parent in that way yeah. it, when you can look back and say, I, I had a hand in this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely Um, not wishing the time away, but that will be a cool feeling, I think. Yeah. There's a lot. (laughs) I hate to tell you. There's a lot to get through between where you are now and there. (laughs) Let me tell you. I know. I think my my favorite thing to tell new moms, like brand new moms, is like it never gets easier. It just gets different. Yeah. And I'm not even that far down the line yet. I've got a seven-year-old and an eight-month-old, but... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but so far, it doesn't really get easier. It just gets different. I think that's really true. <laughs> I think the the mother-daughter relationship is particularly difficult during the teenage years. And oh. um, yeah, strap yourself in. <laughs> uh, I, I remember being on this side, being on the daughter side of it. And you're right. We do feel like moms are just out to get us and like yeah. everything is yeah. is like why can't you just let me be who I am yeah so. <laughs> exactly right <laughs> if you could go back and tell yourself anything tell yourself how it turns out in the end tell yourself um you're gonna get through it tell yourself anything when you were in that moment in your car like I could just leave her in here and somebody else who wants her would take her what would you say to yourself? I would tell myself to relax and um, and you can do this. Because I really didn't think that I could. And, mm-hmm. um, and I never gave myself the pleasure of enjoying the moment. And I feel like I missed out on a lot because of that. So I think I would tell myself you can do this you just need take a breath take a breath take a breath yeah, yeah. i i don't think i breathed <laughs> you were holding your breath for the the whole year yeah yeah it does feel like that though it almost it feels does. like you're drowning like yeah you can gasp every once in a while but most of the time you just can't you can't catch your breath yeah that's I, that's how I felt. Like yeah. I, I just, it was just wired the whole time. Just, you know, like that. Yeah. <laughs> wound, <laughs> wound up completely. Wound up. And I think I probably wasn't easy, an easy person to be around, you know, like I couldn't have been because that's how, that's how I was all the time. I remember right. when I'd be a, you know, we'd go somewhere or whatever. And somebody would take the baby and be holding them. And as soon as she started to fuss, I would start doing the baby sway. 
Do you do that? Mm. When somebody else yeah. is holding I your s- baby? Yes. And you're like, and then I'd just be like, just give her back. Just, you know, I'm just waiting for them to say, okay, okay, she needs her mother. And I'd take her back and, and feel like, oh, but I was so enjoying, like, not having you in my arms there for, like, five minutes, you know? But you're my responsibility, and so now I need you back. And, you know, I have to, I have to show everybody that I can, like, calm you down and not disrupt everybody else's good time. And, yeah. That's exactly how I was with my first. Yeah. Like, it, it felt like an obligation. Yeah. And so then you start to feel kind of resentful, right? Like, uh-huh. like yep. how come everybody and else is having shame. this good time and, and I'm just like saddled with this being? <laughs> yeah. And everybody, everybody wants to take the baby, but you feel like exactly like you said, as soon as they start fussing, it's almost like a tether to you. You're like, nope, spring, spring right yeah, back. Bring, you got to give her back. back. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. sorry, you don't have to deal with this. It's my responsibility. Right. That's why I, I kind of wanted to see what being a grandparent would feel like because because then you're on the other you're on the other end right yeah so you you take the baby until they fuss and then you give them back like yeah like I wonder how that what that would feel like you know but oh well at this point our conversation took a little bit of a tangent but we'll jump back in to talk about social media again most of what you see on TV or in the news or social media is just is are the kind of the ideal view of a new mother, right? Like mm-hmm. bonding with the baby and the pictures and all that. And I've never been so in love. And I mean, that still seems to be the, the standard that we're all holding ourselves up to. And well, and it's either that you're either getting that image or you're getting the scare media of the moms who unfortunately are suffering with postpartum psychosis and, and kills hurt their kids. Yeah. Yeah. You're not seeing the in-between. You're seeing rainbows and sunshine or hell. Right. And there is so much in between. And it is normal. And it whatever normal is, it is okay to not be happy. It is okay to be petrified of your right. baby. Right. Like these these things are okay and they're not going to be forever. Right. Yeah. And that for me for me that was what I needed to know. And I still struggle with that. I still I still freak out that it's going to happen again. Right. That I'm that I'm going to feel that way again, but Right. That's that's why we need the connection. What what sort of resources do you wish you had had available to you when you were when you were struggling the most? I wish I had would had had a lactation counselor <laughs> to tell me. Yeah, that. so that you would <laughs> you would know that would have been super helpful. <laughs> I don't know. I just I think you know. I think back in the day. I think that people were no, were more connected um just generally right I mean women stayed at home more and so they had more support from their peers because you lived in a neighborhood and everybody else in the neighborhood all those women were staying at home too and so I think that there was a sisterhood that existed that maybe that's you know helped women in those days get through it 
Because this isn't mm-hmm. something new, right? I mean, this is no. going on for ever. Mm-hmm. But it's it never saw the light of day. And maybe part of that, as I think about it, is because there used to be more of a sisterhood. People were more connected. And, um, and I think it's unfortunate that the way we live now with two income households and at least pre-COVID, people worked outside the home during the day and... And therefore, you're you're less you're less connected to other people, yeah. and and it's hard to ask for professional help, right? Like it's hard to admit, you know, well, I need I, I don't know what I need a counselor, I need a home health aide, I need I you know whatever it is, right? It's hard mm-hmm. to it's hard to acknowledge that and admit that, so. When you ask what sort of resources I wish I had had, I wish I had had more of that, more of a sisterhood. And maybe that's partly what you're doing with with this is trying to create a sisterhood at least at least online, virtually, you know, at least, yeah, at least virtually. Because when that's I think back on exactly it, that's one of I'm the trying to do. the the big emotions that I felt was that I am all the, I, I have no one to talk to. You know, mm-hmm. when I was in law school, I mean, when I was pregnant that last year, I was, I was an anomaly. You know, there was nobody else there in the whole school who was pregnant, right? So, all, yeah. and I had plenty of law school friends, but none of them had had babies or were thinking of having babies at that point. We, very few of them were even married. Yeah. And, you know, even when we moved back to Vermont, I, I didn't really know anybody else who had babies. Uh, just the way it worked out, you know, and I think that that could have made a big difference. That is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to create a community. And it's interesting. I think what's interesting coming from my generation is like we're told that we're one of the the most connected because of the Internet and social media. And yeah. like we're all supposed to be. But I don't. It's I don't not so. the right type of connection. And it's all. Right. It's all, um, it's all a facade. Yes. None of it's real. It's all what we, what we want you to see, not what it exactly. really is. Right. So that's with, so true. With this podcast and with the Quiet Connection group, I'm trying to create like a safe space for parents to be able to say the things that they may feel ashamed to say otherwise. Like, tell the real story. Tell me how you really feel, because I can guarantee you, you're not the only one that feels this way. Totally agree. What would you tell a mom? You, you're meeting this mom for the first time. She just had her baby. They just put that baby on her chest. She doesn't know what she feels. She doesn't know what she's going to do. What would you say to her? I would say, breathe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ask for help. Because this is really hard. And Mm -hmm. give yourself space. I like that. Well, Phyllis, it has been an absolute pleasure having this conversation with you. I feel like I've really learned a lot about your perspective. Thank you for sharing it with us. And I just, I think you're going to impact a lot of people with your story. I hope so. I'm happy to be included. And um, anything I can do to help other people 
get through it, I'm happy. You know, it's gratifying for me. We want to thank Phyllis again for joining us and for being so open and honest in recounting her story with postpartum depression. If you'd like to follow along with us at Quiet Connection, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Quiet Connection or at Quiet Connection Podcast. You can also find us on all your major podcast platforms like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Amazon, iTunes, and more. Join us next time where another story is told and you realize you are not alone. I see you.